Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Talking a little bit about Gavin Newsom and California and the way people uh, look at <clears throat> look at elections now and the way they evaluate uh, the records of uh, public officials and their leaders. Got a few on hold. We'll get to you in a moment. But Rick was talking to us, uh, just tying up our last uh, – uh, calling in at the last moment of our last hour, Rick. So I wanted to make sure we got your full uh, – your 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 full thought set of thoughts on this. Well, that, I appreciate it, Seth. Thanks. I I, I just uh, had one kind of thought to add to that. Sure. Uh, in addition to what I was saying there, I I think a big part of what's going on, uh, in in my estimation, is the media blackout mm-hmm. that is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole lot of the information is not getting out to most. Uh, I think is not getting out to most of the population. You know, I, I watch the nightly news, and even I usually watch Fox, but I also watch some of the other channels. And uh, so often, uh, very little of the really important news is, is uh, being re- reported or is given short shift, shrift. And I think uh, maybe that's part of the uh, problem that we're it's we're a huge facing. part the media has done their part no question social media does its part no question the rhetoric the democrats use and the media echoes has done its part to frighten voters um and then you just have states like california itself or you know states represented i was just looking up i was just curious about this do you do you know how many republicans are registered in san francisco do you know what the republican registration is in san francisco it's 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 seven percent it's seven percent seven percent and statewide california republicans are 24 percent wow 24 percent wow you know so i don't even know what the media can do I don't even know what the media can do, but I will tell you this. uh, It's astounding. Who's growing the Republican Party? I don't know if you can grow it in certain environs, but it seems like you should be able to. And who's doing it? I mean, so when Larry Elder, for example, ran against Gavin Newsom in a recall, you know, a lot of other Republicans who just didn't have his name recognition, you know, ran too and, you know, diluted the vote a bit. Right. Quite a bit. You know, there needs to be some kind of pressure valve and control valve. We hate the idea. We're trained to hate the idea of uh, smoke filled rooms and that sort of thing. But at a certain point, it does seem to me parties at the state level really do need to get into the recruiting business. There are good and qualified conservative spokesmen and Republican potential Republican uh, 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 politicians that the party just it, they they refuse to do it because they say they don't want to get involved in primaries. Well, then you're left with kind of what you're left with. I just I don't know if parties are are being grown. I just don't yeah. know that they're being grown. And if they're not no. being grown, they're they're shrinking, they're That's stagnating right. and shrinking. You're either on offense or defense, and I think that has to do with party growth too. Yeah. Well, thank you for your comments. Thanks for taking my call, and I'm looking forward to a great show the rest of the show. Okay, thanks. And if it isn't a great show the rest of the show, Rick, hopefully you can suspend your eidetic memory and we can forget all about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks, Seth. All right, it's a deal. Doug is in Carefree. Hello, Doug. How are you, sir? 
Hi, Hi Seth. Hi. I'm doing great. Good. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you. Um, so um, to, to somewhat piggyback off what Rick said yeah. with Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're being held hostage to not being called like Trump or like the GOP or like a white supremacist. I mean, when you, when you have a California newspaper call Larry Elder the face of white supremacy, you've really jumped shark. But, but it worked. The average voter. I think it worked. It works. It works very well in yep. the psychology of it, because nobody wants to be compared to a white supremacist. Right. No one wants to be compared to a Nazi. Right. No one wants to be called, you know, a racist. Right. You know, the the the, the, the terms have have great. There, you know, there, there is a smartness that we have to convey to the Democrats for discovering that they could do this to people. Well, um, in in the seventies, the guy's name was Marcus, and basically he said, you know, the 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 the, the first generation Marxists—well, not first generation, but the nineteen twenties Marxists—wanted to take over production, means of production. We need to take over the means of the narrative production, mm-hmm. the, the thought production. Yeah. You know, uh, much like Saul Alinsky said, yeah. you know, and, and Marcuse, you know, I, I can't remember the book that he wrote, but it was, I, I don't know, I'm sorry. It, no, no, it, no, it, he was a very but, famous Marxist scholar. He was hugely, uh, hugely popular around, uh, uh, in, the, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And uh, I, I think his big book was actually something like Sex and Civilization or Eros and Civilization or something like that. But he was hugely influential on, uh, on, an, on an entire worldview of thinking in academia. Yes, he was, and unfortunately, because, you know, now, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're you know, he sowed the, the wind and we're reaping the whirlwind of it. And it's very destructive because basically you have a state the most populous state, huge, you know, state GDP, and it's absolutely distru- you know, just, just coming apart at the seams, and 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 so all these hundreds of thousands of people are fleeing, and they're infecting everywhere they end up, even though they're running away from just sheer insanity. They they show up in Arizona and other states, and they infect, you know, you know, you know. I think Hobbs lost personally to Lake because of what the the Maricopa County Recorder did on election day with tabulators and all that. But that notwithstanding, you know, we we've we've suffered under hundreds of thousands of Californians, Oregonians, and Washingtonians that have come here and, despite fleeing dysfunction, have voted in dysfunction, and it's it's very frustrating and. Uh, I don't see how to fix it. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the interesting things is that uh, there wasn't a lot of allegation of uh, there wasn't a lot of allegation of any of that going on with the Senate race, and and Blake Masters certainly didn't allege it himself. The question is, why do we keep voting that way in the in the races that aren't even under that kind of cloud of suspicion? By such right, I mean there is something going on here. And there is something. I mean, I think Texas. I mean, I, I, I think I think whoever the Republican nominee is in twenty twenty four is going to have to spend more time in Texas than years past. I honestly do. Yeah, and and and, and so because of what you're I, saying, I, not, I think because of what you're saying, a lot of the yeah. migration, but a lot of the narrative too. 
And I think because of what I'm saying, a lot of the stagnation in these state parties that aren't recruiting great candidates. Right. And, 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 and the voters, like, like McSally lost by 62,000 votes compared to other statewide offices, which is just unusual. I mean, typically you have, you know, not perfectly aligned, but you have similar numbers. But her, her roll-off, you know, you know, un, un, you know, receiving fewer votes was was pretty significant. You know, and well, I think we got to ask people why they thought it was a good idea. People in charge to to run McSell. I mean, you know, I think the quality of the candidate matters too, and she was a lousy candidate. Um, I agree. Good person, but not a great candidate. Yeah, not everyone um, is. Not everyone has it. You know, right. she 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 barely won her races down in Tucson, and then you know we decide to run a. I mean, it's it's anyway. There's a lot that could be said on that front, but I I really do think some of the adults running the state parties and state party apparatuses need to do some real soul searching on this stuff. Well, the other side has the smoke filled room. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they no, they, they they do, they, and they're and and and, and we're up against it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, and, and 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 we're trying to operate under Robert's rules of order. Some, yeah, yeah, Mark. It's like, yeah, right, right. Queensbury rules, right? Yeah, the, the Queensbury rules, you know, and do everything, you know, hunky dory, and and we're getting our head kicked in, and and then we wonder why. It's yeah. Because listen, you know, we, we we shouldn't have fifteen candidates. Correct. You know, if we do have fifteen candidates, we we have to come up with some sort of pre-primary winnowing. You know, and I know they're trying to do that with you know to qualify for the debates. You have to have a certain number of correct of uh, yeah, yeah, of, certain of, of donations and certain way, signatures. Yeah, right, right. Certain yeah, but the persons. way Suarez is getting around it, he's giving away gas cards. Yeah. <laughs> if you give him a buck, if you give him a dollar, he gives you twenty dollars in gas. I know. Well, okay, okay, time out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, so, so the so the no. GOP should step up and say, listen. Can't do that. I am with you, Doug. I am with you. I, yes, we are not well, here to play games, and that includes gaming the system. Exactly. Thank I, you, sir. I, I, thank you, Doug. Stay close. 602-508-0960. Did you find it? No. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Bill has this passive-aggressive way of eliminating music from my bumper that he doesn't like. Young David says he can't find American Dream by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band with Linda Ronstadt on backup. It's important because he thought the Coconut Grove was in California, and I had to instruct young David that it's not. It's clearly in Florida, as he would know from that song. I said you could play it in our bumper and... Should I not be doing this on air? Probably I should not be. What hey, I should be, show. We're huh? Just living in it. Yeah. Well, find the song and did the, the whatever you guys do. You have heard that we are uh, partnering with Focus on the Family for a two-day marriage conference, a great marriage conference on August twenty-fifth and twenty-sixth. It's at the Central Christian Church in Gilbert, um, and we're giving away some exclusive VIP tickets. Uh, it's called the Resist the Drift Conference. And you and your spouse can be one of 10 lucky couples who get to attend the conference on the house. And five couples will be invited to attend our pre-conference VIP meet and greet reception hosted by me. You'll have a special opportunity to meet the speakers, Greg and Aaron Smalley, be an intimate Q&A session, and obviously some snacks and appetizers as well. In addition to all that, 
The VIP ticket holders get reserved seating at the conference and a workbook to notate in during the weekend's four sessions of impactful teaching. So for a chance to win tickets and meet Greg and Aaron Smalley, go to 960thepatriot.com and click on the event banner. And if you're not feeling lucky, you can always just buy the tickets. Also at 960thepatriot.com. It'd be fun to see you there. I don't know much about this uh, singer, Neo. Do you guys know him? N-E-Y-O? Do you know his work, Neo? That, that's an English word. It, well, it's, it's his name. And um, he's tremendously successful and uh, kind of got caught up in the, um, what would you call it? Kind of got caught up in the forced confession of apology. Uh, he, um, he was giving an interview uh, on Saturday and was asked about the whole transgender stuff. And this is what he said, quote, I just personally come from an era where a man was a man and a woman was a woman. And there were two genders, and that's just how I rocked. You could identify as a goldfish if you feel like. I don't care. That ain't my business. It becomes my business when you try to make me play the game with you. I'm not going to call you a goldfish, but you want to be a goldfish? You go be a goldfish. We live in a weird time, man. We do. Well, you can imagine. So the next thing you see on Twitter is this. You could probably write it yourself. From his Twitter account. I'd like to express my deepest apologies. Hold on. Hold on. Don't get too upset. Don't get... There is a, there is a, there is a third chapter to this book. After much reflection, I'd like to express my deepest apologies to anyone that I may have hurt with my comments on parenting and gender identity. I've always been an advocate for love and inclusivity in the LGBTQ plus community, So I understand how my comments could have been interpreted as insensitive and offensive. Gender identity is nuanced, and I can honestly admit that I plan to better educate myself on the topic so I can approach future conversations with more empathy. At the end of the day, day, I lead with love and support, everyone's freedom of expression and pursuit of happiness. And, of course, the reaction I had, Bill, was the one you expressed, which is, here we go again, forced confession time. But guess what? There is a third chapter. Looks like that was written by his publicist without his authorization. So he comes out <laughs> to set the record straight. And I don't know. I think we should buy some of this guy's songs. Here's what he had to say after that forced confession or what looked like a forced confession, what we might call a forced confession manque. This is what he put out. What's going on, loved ones? This is Neo. All right. Listen. I normally don't give too much of a damn about what y'all think about what I do, what y'all have to say about what I say, whatever. I normally don't care because, like I said, opinions ain't special. Everybody got one. However, this is something I feel very strongly on, and I need y'all to hear this from the horse's mouth, not the publicist's computer. So check this out. First and foremost, I do not apologize for having an opinion on this matter. I am a 43-year-old heterosexual man raising five boys and two girls, okay? That's my reality. Now, if my opinion offended somebody, yeah, sure, I apologize for you being offended because that wasn't my intention. My intention is never to offend anybody. However, I'm entitled to feel how I feel. I'm absolutely entitled to feel how I feel the same way you are entitled to feel how you feel. I ain't asked nobody to follow me. I ain't asked nobody to agree with me. I was asked a question, and I answered the damn question, okay? I have no beef with the LBGTQIA plus community whatsoever. I ain't got no beef with y'all. Do whatever the hell it is you want to do. Do what you want to do with your kids. However, 
Somebody asked my opinion on this matter, and this is how I feel. I will never be okay with allowing a child to make a decision that detrimental to their life. I will never be okay with that. I don't care. I, I definitely plan to educate myself a little bit more on this matter. However, I doubt that there's any book anywhere or any opinion that somebody's going to tell me that's going to make me okay with letting a child make a decision like that. That's just period, point blank, and that's how I feel. If I get canceled for this, then you know what? Maybe this is a world where they don't need a Neo no more, all right? And I got no problem with that. I'm a hustler. Right? I'll figure it out. I got kids to raise, and I'm going to do that regardless. So with that being said, y'all have a good day. How do you not respect the heck out of that? How do you not respect the heck out of that? Let that be the last word. Let us hope. Let us hope he fired his publicist who wrote the apology on his behalf that he did not intend or mean. You know, you never know. You never know where your next coalition's coming from. You never know what one person you may not have heard of or what one precinct you would have not have expected it to come through can set off in the, uh, in the, in the, in the culture comp we all live in. You never know. But I got to tell you, that kind of gave me chills. It kind of gave me chills. Now, it's an odd world where we have to get chills for standing up for common sense. And it's an odd world where we have to, you know, salute and stand up and, 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 uh, and celebrate normal civic rituals like a boy's a boy and a girl's a girl. And you think what you think and do whatever you want, but you're not going to impose your thought on me or my kids. And saying that is some kind of some kind of breakthrough notion that we have to celebrate and salute. But given the world we are in, we do. Given the world, given his own, given his own profession, he had to. I don't know how his publicist put out an apology on his behalf without his say-so or his okay. Or maybe it did and he changed his mind because he saw how it came out and read and made him look like less than what he wanted to look like. Maybe it made him look weak and he didn't like that. Be interesting to see, you know, how when you say something, the bullies go away when you're strong. It's when you start apologizing and showing weakness that they seize on you. I've seen it time and time and time again. When you come out forcefully, they don't go after you. I had a recent example with this at the state legislature. It was really interesting. But God love this guy. Good for him. Good for him. And if we now have to celebrate normal civic ritual, fine. Normal is outside the mainstream. Let's bring it back. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems and forcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter, from draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, which may have led to a Biden presidency, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. 
480-360-3000 or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com, the only precious metals dealer Seb Gorka and I trust. No worries on that. You're conflating uh, – you're concatenating f- uh, Carefree Highway with Sundown. So uh, David was concerned that we had two of the same Gordon Lightfoot songs playing. One was written in Canada. One was written here in Arizona. Now, having said and instructed on all that, I do believe in public accusation, public <laughs> apology. And David, you are vindicated, my friend. While the Coconut Grove is in Florida, you had told me that there was a Coconut Grove in California and you related it to something like having to do with Robert Kennedy and perhaps his passing, his death. I said that would have been the Ambassador Hotel which no longer exists, and you said, I don't know why I thought that. I said you were just confused. That's how we got to the nitty-gritty dirt band, if you can follow this. The truth of the matter is you were not confused. We looked up Coconut Grove in California, and it was the bar at the Ambassador Hotel where Robert Kennedy was shot. So well done to you. I doff my hat and I apologize for saying the Coconut Grove was not in (laughs) Los Angeles. Yeah, that... The Coconut Grove is in Florida. A Coconut Grove was once upon a time in Los Angeles. A, because of its ephemeral existence being part of a hotel that no longer exists. I was going to say. I don't know a lot of bars' names at hotels like you do. I don't travel in your swanky circles. Film noir and, you know, detective movies, Humphrey Bogart. I think uh, maybe there was something with Judy. I don't know. I just remember. You're probably right, and I'm probably wrong when it comes to that stuff. I don't travel in your circles. Yeah. You seen any good movies recently? Uh, Last movie I saw was Oppenheimer. I think we discussed that. How was your experience at the theater? Awful. Awful? Awful. People don't know how to behave. They don't know how to behave. They have no idea. You know, I have uh, tickets to go see Oppenheimer this Thursday evening. Okay. I have the the 70 millimeter IMAX tickets that I had to to get three weeks ago. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Well, the guy – I learned a lot about this guy Strauss I didn't know much about who was um, Eisenhower's appointee to the secretary – to be secretary of commerce. And uh, I just didn't know a lot about that story. Um, He turns out to have been uh, much more conservative than portrayed, including um, an early supporter of the Goldwater candidacy, which reminds me, by the way, of this weirdness in the New York Times. We were just doing this neo – thing on transgenderism you know i was dennis prager said you were there with me david at the legislature he said is everything about sex and transgender now i mean is that all academia and journalism cares about anymore you look at the courses at the barrett honors college that these faculty teach it's all transgender this it's all do they ever teach anything else do they ever just teach literature do they ever just teach the great minds no no at the Barrett Honors College, they're teaching uh, – it's all transgender. And so is it with journalism and seemingly politics. So there's this big op-ed in the New York Times, why a trans Republican keeps engaging with conservatives. And it talks about this woman, uh, Jennifer Williams, who is a member of the city council in Trenton. I guess she would be a transgender woman if I'm keeping form straight here. And here's what the op-ed writer writes. It's Jane Coaston. She's a staff writer, actually, not an op-ed writer. Um, She's a staff writer at the New York Times. Miss Williams is transgender, 55, the first openly transgender person to win elected office in New Jersey and one of very few openly transgender office holders nationwide. 
As a transgender woman and as a Republican, she believes there is a need for her to engage with people who might never have met a trans person before. She told me that she sees it as her responsibility to fight for trans rights with the Republican Party while working on behalf of her constituents in Trenton. Quote, I actually believe if you're transgender, one of the most conservative things you can actually do is live your authentic self. But to do that, the government should not be in your business. They shouldn't be in our bedrooms. They shouldn't be trying to tell us who we can be, who we can live as, and who we can go to school as, on which I will respond on the other side. Bank failures, stock market volatility, speculation on a recession, and the offing, inflation. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve? Why Refi has that? They have a portfolio that is not correlated to the Fed or the stock market, and you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this collateralized and secure portfolio from Y-Refi, and they are based here locally. They encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on the 101 in Scottsdale Road. I've been there. You won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign a thing. But when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. I was talking to you in the previous segment about this staff writer at the New York Times who's interviewing a transgender Republican in New Jersey, And she says, I actually believe if you're transgender, one of the most conservative things you can actually do is live your authentic self. But to do that, the government should not be in your business. They shouldn't be in our bedrooms. They shouldn't be trying to tell us who we can be, who we can live as, who we can go to school as. And my mind went back, do these people ever really break down and listen to what they're saying? Do they ever think about, do we ever think about these talking points that just get thrown around like so much wisdom from Mount Olympus? when it's nothing really more than pabulum. I was watching a thing the other day where a guy was, someone was having me watch this show on on dating or singles dating and matchmaking, and this guy says, I'm very tolerant. I won't date anyone who's pro-life. I'm totally tolerant. And I'm just wondering, do these guys listen to themselves? Do these words mean anything anymore? This person says... One of the most conservative things you can do is live your authentic self. Well, maybe so, maybe not, depending on who you are and what your self is. I mean, there are certain selves I don't think I want being authentic. But then this nonsense. The government should not be in your business. Who's who's changing things here in these corporations? But moreover, they shouldn't be in our bedrooms, she says. How many years are we going to continue with this nonsense they shouldn't be in our bedrooms? Whether it's the abortion or the transgender debate, does anyone know of abortions that take place in bedrooms or transgender surgeries that take place? Why is it the bedroom? Why is it the bedroom? It's not. Uh, They keep saying it. I'm sorry. Surgeries don't even take place in doctor's offices. They take place in operating rooms. Emergency departments, hospitals. Do they say they don't want the government involved in emergency rooms and hospitals? Maybe. That's an argument. Maybe. But can we stop with the in the bedrooms? 
It's nonsense. They shouldn't be trying to tell us who we can be, who we can live as, and who we can go to school as. Who we can go to school as? We just want the – I'm with you, babe. I, I want the parents to have the, the, the right. It's the government in the form of these public schools that are trying to keep it away from the parents, and that is the government. You're lecturing the wrong team here. You're lecturing the wrong team using talking points that are exquisite rituals of essential meaninglessness. This stuff is not about the bedroom. This stuff is here and a debate before us because of the government forcing it. Not conservatives. Government. We want parental rights. We want family rights. We want families to be protected. And yeah, we want kids to be protected too. And if you don't think that's the role of the government to protect kids, if you don't think that's the role of the government to protect kids, ask yourself, who's the intervening force here? It's going to be the government. It's going to be the government. You can have the parents do it or you can have the government do it. I'm with the parents and I'm with the family. And that seems to me to be the conservative principle at bay here, at issue here. David, I lost my clock. How much time do I have? Please tell got me. got until 52. Oh, good. I lost my clock totally. <laughs> um, my bad. It's, it's indeed... Not the equations these people are making it out to be. The government should not be in your business. They shouldn't be in your bedrooms. They shouldn't be trying to tell us who can be, who we can live as, who we can go to school as. And one of the most conservative things you can actually do is live your authentic self. Is that the conservative thing, to live your authentic self? I hope I hope we can live our authentic selves within certain rules and guardrails. That's the conservative thing. We're not libertines here. And I think probably the most respected libertarian conservative in any of our lifetimes would be Barry Goldwater. In his conscience of a conservative, which was the birth of the modern conservative movement in 1961, he writes, the conservative believes that man is in part an economic, an animal creature, but he is also a spiritual creature with spiritual needs and spiritual desires. What is more, these needs and desires reflect the superior side of man's nature and thus take precedence over his economic wants. Conservatism, therefore, looks upon the enhancement of man's spiritual nature as the primary concern of political philosophy. Liberals, on the other hand, in the name of concern for human beings, regard the satisfaction of economic wants as the dominant mission of society. They are in a hurry so that their characteristic approach is to harness the society's political and economic forces into a collective effort to compel progress. In this approach, I believe they fight against nature. And he capitalizes the word, excuse me, the yeah, the word nature, the letter N in nature. That from Barry Goldwater in Conscience of a Conservative. We should have consciences too, by the way. By the way. Leave the kids alone. Don't make it the school's business to intervene between the child and the parent or between the parent and the teacher, and we're fine. But everything you're arguing against here is the problem from your side, not ours. We didn't ask for this culture war. We didn't start forcing the issues. We didn't start passing the laws and the legislation and the policies that had that gave boys the ability to go into girls' restrooms, bathrooms, shower rooms, athletic teams. That was your government doing that. 
Those were your athletic association policies doing that. That was your public school system doing that. The shoe is on the other foot here. And if you're going to call yourself a Democrat, fine. Go be a Democrat. That's fine. Don't call yourself a Republican. We are a party that intervened on these kinds of issues, beginning with the letter N, the N-word. You can't escape it. Nature. That's why we were founded on the opposition to slavery. And as far as authentic selves, authentic selves. I mean, this is the worst thing that you get out of Shakespeare, I think. To thine own self be true. What if you're Stalin? I don't want, if you're Stalin, I don't want you being your authentic self. If you're Stalin, I want you being Robert Jackson. I was having uh, this, speaking of this N-word nature that we can't seem to quite let go of and yet seemingly so earnestly try to overcome in so many of our political, societal, culture, comp disputes. I was having a discussion with a dear friend of mine um, about, you know, how you know the laws of nature and what are their limits and what are they exactly. We know we were founded on them, but what are they exactly? There's a lot of places you can go, and those of you, of course, familiar with the Bible know that there are several references to the law written on your heart. Lush said there was something interesting. So you read the language, it's on your heart, not in your heart, meaning it maybe can be removed. Maybe, maybe. And there's a debate about if it's written on your heart when you're born, if it's the kind of natural sense of right and wrong that we're all born with. Where is the role for adulthood and parenting and instruction? And it seems to me that there is an ingrained sense of fairness and justice of sorts that we're born with, but they need to be channeled. They need to be directed. But one of the things my friend who asked me and was talking to me about this pointed to and reminded me of In the book I often cite here, The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis in 1943, it actually has an interesting appendix where you can get C.S. Lewis's rendition of all these various philosophies and religions of centuries and millennia past that agree on all these basics and all these fundamentals that constitute human nature. And it's really good and important. For example... He gives you on the law of magnanimity, Cicero. There are two kinds of injustice. The first is found in those who do an injury. The second in those who fail to protect another from injury when they can. You can get it from Thomas Hooker. Men always knew that when force and injury was offended, they might be defenders of themselves. They knew that howsoever men may seek their own commodity, yet if this were done with injury unto others, it was not to be suffered. You can get it from ancient Egyptians. To take no notice of a violent attack is to strengthen the heart of the enemy. You can get it from Virgil and the Aeneid. They came to the fields of joy, the fresh turf of the fortunate woods and the dwellings of the blessed. Here was the company of those who had suffered wounds fighting for their fatherland. You can get it from the Stoics, like in Seneca, praise and imitate the man to whom, while life is pleasing, death is not grievous. 
You can get it from the ancient Chinese. The master said, love learning, and if attacked, be ready to die for the good way. The good way. We're expected to know what the good and the bad is. And there is a big push in this society to confuse those things. As, speaking of C.S. Lewis, as the instruction to Wormwood goes, your task is to fuddle them.